This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, what's going on? You know, just uh, trying to get through another winter here, you know, um, we've got a very inspirational topic for people to uh, to listen to, to be inspired by. Which, oh, uh, yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously have, you know, <laughs> spiking COVID cases. It's sure. I'm looking out my window to a, 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 a driveway filled with snow. I just need something to cheer me up. So why not? Let's let's just talk about teams getting their doors blown off and just getting absolutely destroyed by the teams. Biggest blowouts in NBA history. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's an, it's inspiring for the teams that win. Yeah, I guess it depends what end of the uh, uh, right. spectrum you're yeah. on. Unfortunately, I believe you and I are going to start the show with personal cases of us seeing the teams that we wanted to root for get blown out. Uh, although one of the, yours is a little bit of a, I'm conflicted on on yours, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that when we get to it, I guess. Okay, all right, yeah. Why don't you start with uh, with yours? Yeah, so we we had this idea of of coming up with this topic a couple weeks ago, back when the uh, Grizzlies and the Thunder, which we'll talk about in a moment, that was in uh, early December, the biggest blowout in NBA history, seventy three points, Grizzlies Thunder. We'll get into that in a little bit more details, uh, but then we kind of held it off for a few other things. We did our Christmas episode. We did a few other topics here and there. Um, and then we decided to come back to this show saying, hey, well, you know, we, we had a lot of notes prepared. It's, it's a topic that, that can always, you can always get to biggest blots. There's always biggest blots. There's always fun stories with all these. Uh, but in that time, I actually witnessed uh, an all-time blowout. Not Maybe not an all-time like record-setting blowout, but at least as far as I know, and I guess I would have to go and look at every single game that I've ever attended and try to figure out how to do that. But as far as like aesthetically and what I felt like in the building, I attended my biggest blowout ever uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, when I saw the Warriors face the Chicago Bulls on uh, uh, January 14th in Chicago. This is supposed to be a big game. Two titans of the uh, NBA, I believe. The Warriors, number one in the West, and the Bulls, number one in the East. Uh, battling on Friday night on ESPN. There was a, a palpable buzz in the building. Everybody was excited. I got a, a text from a friend who said, hey, I have an extra ticket. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, sure. And uh, I had to pay for that ticket because he's like, look, this is an in-demand ticket. So I'm just going right. to sell it. Like, So you're going to have to pay for it. I'm not just going to give it to you for free. And I'm like, I totally get it. I understand. So I probably paid more for this game than I paid for uh, any other game in years and years and years and years. Uh, it ended up, um, I'll tell you, all, I, all you have to do is if you type in Warriors Bulls January 14th, uh, the image that comes up is uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Kobe White. Uh, is is what the it's like the YouTube video yeah. shows those two men, which is not good. Let me tell you, if that yeah. if it's the Warriors and the Bulls and it's Jonathan Kaminga and, and Kobe White, that means things did not go very well, and they did not go very well because the Warriors won 138 uh, to 96, which doesn't quite even. It doesn't quite put in a cut because it was like the fourth quarter was like neck and neck or whatever. But yeah, the second quarter was forty one nineteen uh, Warriors. Curry had nineteen points, but he really stopped trying about two quarters in. Uh, Zach Levine got hurt after four minutes and left the game with a knee injury. Uh, Lonzo Ball left the game early with a knee injury. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Poole had twenty two points. The aforementioned Jonathan Kaminga led the Warriors with twenty five. It was uh, it was quite the thing. Um, Draymond Green's still out. Klay Thompson sitting out back-to-back nights. So there was ominous things that led into the game. But then sitting there live, it was just an absolute... I mean, the doors were just blowing off and just kind of... Uh, yeah, it sucked <laughs> to be there. So uh, I guess if you were a Warriors fan there, it was kind of fun. But it, this wasn't a fun blowout. Because it wasn't like record-setting. It wasn't that crazy. It was just one of those old classic, like, we're way better than this team. So no one that matters is going to play in the second. So I had a lot of Damian Lee, you know. 
Oh, Juan yeah. wants Toscano in. A lot of wants Toscano sure. in. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Chris yeah, Chuiza, hey. uh, Chuiza or whatever the hell his name is. A lot of him too. I got like twelve sure. minutes of him, which is not sure. good. I don't want twelve minutes of him. No. Bielitsa. I, I got twenty four minutes of Bielitsa. <laughs> twenty four <laughs> minutes of Bielitsa. Yeah. Not yeah. what I intended when I played when I paid triple digits for this ticket that I was going to get twenty four minutes of Bielitsa. But hey, you know hey. what? It happens. Hey, you got ten minutes of Iguodala. You know, you got a love of. Uh, I can't even believe he got in that game at any point. Fifty-year-old yeah. Iguodala, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to keep him fresh, you know, just in case. You got to, you, you don't want him to get rusty. You know? True, true, true. A guy that old, you, you know, you're going to get rusty because you need a little bit of time, so it's important. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I have seen a couple of um, well, one extremely dispiriting blowout, which was actually my first uh, live NBA game that I ever attended, uh, and then also one is a. Uh, among the greatest, uh, you know, one quarter blowouts in NBA history. So that, that's going to be fun. So the first one, uh, it was also involved your Chicago Bulls. It was in Atlanta. It was uh, the the exact date, January 24th, 2005. This is a time in which I um, had lived in Atlanta, was getting excited for the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And why not the Atlanta Hawks? Eight and thirty-one. You know, you got <laughs> just momentum. Yeah. They had they yeah. they had turned. They'd figured out. You know, you got to lose before you can win. You got to crawl before you right. can walk. And it felt Absolutely. like you know they've taken their beatings in the early part of the year, but they, they they've righted the shit. Things are looking good. We're, we're starting it's, to you know. It's gonna get better. The yeah, building I blocks mean, brick by brick. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, Rome wasn't exactly. built in the day, so it takes some no, time. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, hey, we got Josh Smith. We got Josh Childress. Exciting. A lot of Joshes. Yeah, you got a lot of Joshes. You got Antoine Walker. You got you know shooting a lot of shots. You know, that's that's what Mike he does. Woodson at the helm. I mean, what's not oh, to? Yeah, yeah. Billy Knight uh, running the show. It's of course yeah. it's gonna work. Yeah, you got forty-six-year-old Kevin Willis. You know, coming off the bench. You know, hey, it's fun. Hey, did, did this, they still Gugliata then too, right? Uh, they would get Gugliata in the in the trade for Anton Walker. They would get him later in the season. Oh, okay, you got it. Yeah, whatever you can bring in Tom Gugliata to write the ship. You got it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, yeah. So anyway, the uh, uh, so this was so my memory of this was it being complete domination. Eddie Curry just destroying the Hawks, you know, left and right. Um, you know, I think he had an incredible alley oop uh, in this game. Final result, only 25, 107 to 82. They were up by 42 points with 944 left in the game, but obviously the Hawks rallied to um, make it close. Again, in my memory, Eddie Curry unstoppable on this night, although the box score says he ended up with with merely 19 points, although on 9 of 11 shooting, so very efficient, and four rebounds, uh, which is kind of an Eddie Curry night, you know, four rebounds. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure Scott Scott, that's exactly the type of game that that Scott Skiles would then bitch in the media about afterwards, is that how the hell do you not get rebounds? Come on. Right. You're seven feet tall. Just put your hands in the air. Just jump. Come on. Right. uh, Yeah, what what a perfect Eddie Curry game there. I love it. Yeah, Anton Walker, you know, 3 of 12 from the field, negative four, 44, you know, plus minus. So that's uh, that's always good. Um, uh, Pedrag uh, Drobniak, uh, he had uh, he had one of seven from the field. So he was uh, not not great there. Um, also, yeah, and, and I'd kind of forgotten about this until I was uh, just doing some more digging. I watched the Hawks squander a 21 fourth quarter, a 21 point fourth quarter lead uh, just uh, a couple years later. This game was against the Utah Jazz uh, December 20th, 2006. And uh, yeah, the Hawks lost the uh, fourth quarter by 27 points. Um, it's one of 34 instances in which a, uh, a fourth quarter had a margin of 27 or more. Uh, the Buffalo Braves actually hold the fourth quarter record. They outscored the 73 Celtics by a margin of 35. 
Uh, interestingly, the Buffalo Braves won 21 games that season. The Celtics won 68 games that season. So uh, that's kind of an incredible, weird little uh, result there. Uh, the NBA record for any quarter, by the way, is uh, 36. As the Lakers did that against the uh, Sacramento Kings in uh, 19. Uh, 87. We're going to have more Sacramento Kings here. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> although mostly on the right side of, uh, of yeah. the blowouts here as, as we go through. So good times. I'm looking here. The uh, This was the Mehmet Okor game here. He had four, uh, 12 points in the fourth quarter. Yes. I, also, I Derek Fisher, could you have let two more annoying guys <laughs> score all the points? Like, I was hoping that Darren Williams took over or, you know, Andre Karolinko or even Carlos right. Boozer. Three, like, pretty decent, you know, good players, likable guys to some extent. You let Mehmet Okor and Derek Fisher <laughs> destroy. Come on, <laughs> what are we yes. doing? Um, Speedy Claxton was uh, negative twenty-seven in the uh, quarter, and uh, Marvin Williams negative twenty-five in the quarter. So, yeah, yeah, a little rough. Well, oh yeah, Marvin zero five in the fourth. Man, just to, you know, yeah. hey, you know, <laughs> you got to shoot out of the slump. You, you so just keep shooting, baby. But uh, yeah, Josh Smith was one of six. That's more in line with the Josh Smith experience yes, that yes. I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yes, so you know what triggered this uh, show idea was the uh, the seventy three point margin, the Grizzlies beating the Oklahoma City Thunder on on December second, twenty twenty one. At the time, the uh, the records: Oklahoma City six and sixteen, Memphis twelve and ten. Uh, what really sealed this as the blowout of all blowouts was the fourth quarter. The Grizzlies already up by fifty one, outscored the Thunder thirty nine to seventeen. As 20 times, there have been 20 occasions where a team has been up 50 or more after the third quarter. Six of those times, they actually ended up being under 50 at the end. So most of the time, they still remain over 50, but a few times there. Uh, the Grizzlies only played five players the entire quarter. Uh, John Conkar uh, shot five of six, uh, two of three from That's three. That's not a real person. Points. <laughs> it not a it real apparently player. is. Yes. Jared Culver. You're John Conkar is playing yeah. in 2022. Get out of here. Is it, is it Conkar? Conkar or Conchar? I don't know. I, you're asking. Know. I don't think he's even real. So you're asking the right, wrong guy. There you go. I'm not sure he's a real person. So all right, yeah, maybe John Conkar. No, that's you. Just grabbed a name from like the 1991 like San Antonio Spurs bench. There's no uh, way this man plays right. in the NBA today. Get out of here. Right. Um, I'm looking at him now. No, this guy doesn't play yeah. in the NBA. <laughs> um, he's from Chicago. Okay, where the hell did oh, he play? It? I should oh, <laughs> maybe I've seen this man play. Yeah. Oh, what Chicago? Oh, I, well, the town next to me. Okay, so I know this person. Right. So he literally wow. came from the town next to me. Man, my wow. man's playing in the NBA. Wow. Good for him. Wow, that's a, a, a nice, nice deal. Now that's, I'm a, that's I'm a big John Conkar nice fan. There you go. Yeah. Actually, I don't know why you're making fun of John Conkar, Jason. He's awesome. I, so. I, I don't know why. I, the Western uh, suburbs of Chicago. It's finally about time we got some representation in the NBA. It's, so. it's about damn time. So, so, so that's great. Well, Jarrett Culver, five of six for eleven points. The uh, the Grizzlies had six offensive rebounds. Shot 50, 65% from the floor, uh, or four of eight from three. Their only flaw in the quarter was going one for five from the free throw line. Meanwhile, the Thunder only took 14 shots to the Grizzlies' 26 in the quarter. They had six turnovers. The Grizzlies had none. Uh, Ty Jerome and Isaiah Roby played all 12 minutes. So the Thunder played eight of their players in that quarter to, I guess, try to stop the bleeding even more. Um, it is also worth noting the Thunder lost by 57 against the Pacers um, on uh, May 2nd, uh, 2021. Uh, that one was actually in OKC. It set the record for the biggest regular season blowout with the home team on the losing end. There's going to be a playoff one that we're going to talk about in a little while. Um, only three OKC players were in both games, uh, Darius Basley, Gabriel Deck, and Isaiah Roby. There you go. Those are definitely some guys. <laughs> Those, Those are guys. Those are yes. names. Yeah, All that's right. uh, this. Yeah. What's interesting is too is you would think like 
if there was going to be a blot in the 2022 season, it would happen during like this last weird period we had where like a bunch of teams were missing like five of their. No, this is like both teams at quote unquote full strength. You know what I mean? Oklahoma right. City Thunder. You know what their full strength constitutes is not really. Yeah. Uh, you know their full strength is their 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 draft picks over the next ten years is essentially what it is. But uh, right, I mean, yeah, and the Grizzlies were missing the best player. In the right, game. right. If anything, the Grizzlies were uh, underpowered. The, yeah, I mean, the Thunder were missing their best player too. So it's so a little bit of e- even there. But that, yeah, that's uh, it. Wasn't like the Grizzlies were a full strength. The Grizzlies are you know, twelve and ten uh, at the time. You know they're. Yeah, it's even before. I mean, yeah, because we're talking about this now. Like, if this game had happened two weeks ago, you could say, okay, cool. Like, the Grizzlies are on fire, and they're firing. And then maybe Oklahoma City had, like, seven dudes that were out for COVID protocols. Now this is, like, Grizzlies kind of still trying to figure it out, and the Thunder being the Thunder. And, yeah, it just just sort of – happened and and it's weird because there hasn't been a ton of fanfare about it like i I know when it when it happened that night there was a lot of fanfare but i don't know if it's just because people have kind of resigned themselves to the fate of what the thunder are or i don't know it it seems like this should have been a bigger deal or because it was the memphis grizzlies and it's just a a team you know it wasn't like this team with championship aspirations or whatever if the brooklyn nets went out there and totally destroyed some team or whatever then maybe but i don't know i guess it's weird that i feel like this one should have had a little bit more buzz about it but it felt like it was like a one-day buzz and it kind of just went away so Maybe people yeah. don't like blowouts as much as you and I do. So maybe I, they maybe don't. I it. don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it's just you know the conspiracy against John Conkar to get the you're, attention that he deserves. Now you're onto yeah. something. Now you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> now we're right. on the same. That's what I wanted us to get yep. to is is okay. discussing this John Conkar uh, erasure that's trying to happen in the NBA. But uh, thanks for leading me there. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anyway, let let's talk about some other uh, blowouts here. So 1992, right. we're going to go here. Cleveland Cavaliers, Miami Heat uh, was a 68. Point blowout here. Uh, this is on December seventeenth, nineteen ninety one. Something about December. I mean, maybe people got yeah. Christmas on their mind or something. Right. They're yeah. like, "Oh, did I get those gifts?" Or ah, who really cares yeah. anymore? You know what? Yeah. What type of things happening? But uh, yeah. neither team is really bad. And in fact, both teams are kind of okay. This at this point, the Heat are eleven and twelve. Uh, the Cavs are thirteen and eight. Uh, the Cavs would obviously end up the season if, if you know the nineteen ninety new Cavs. Like that was one of the best, potentially the last. You know, well, really the last breath of, of air for that Cavs uh, right. late 80s early 90s Cavs they went 57 and 25 uh, did a decent run in the playoffs and obviously met the Chicago Bulls and that ended up not going very yeah. well we've yeah. talked about them pretty recently uh, okay. in our uh, <laughs> we talked about game winners and all that sort of stuff and, and, yeah. and playoff blowouts or playoff uh, disappointments and that one's in there uh, the Heat, uh, they were 38 and 44, and they would actually make the playoffs at 38 and 44 right. uh, for an early franchise. Pretty good to do that. You know, obviously not above 500, but making the playoffs, you know, doesn't matter. You're in the playoffs no matter what. But uh, right. yeah, what's interesting about this one, too, so it's a 68 point blowout. The week before, the Heat beat the Cavs 105 103. So it's like right. this, yeah. it's not like these teams were, were ill matched or whatever. It just sure. kind of happened. And what, what's what even more saying? fascinating, too, is for some reason, this game just wasn't televised in either Cleveland or Miami. Neither, neither market picked the game up. Just yeah. didn't occur. So nobody really has a lot of footage on this game. You see like little bits and stuff here, I guess from like news broadcasts or whoever was there to, to film it. But yeah, it yeah. never aired on television. So speaking of erasure, this one's very tough to find. I, but well, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that it wasn't. I don't know if that was still pretty common at this point. I mean, I know that, yeah, this is before, you know, obviously, you know, every game is going to be televised all the time. Um, I mean, that probably didn't happen for another few years, but yeah, it is, uh, it's an odd one to, uh, to not have anything on or, or very little on. Uh, so he actually keep the game close ish going into halftime, but uh, what really happens here is in the third quarter, uh, Kevin Lockery, who's the coach of the Miami heat and, um, 
I, th- I think noted red ass, right? I think we could call Kevin Locker a noted yeah, red ass. I, I would say, especially at this point, yeah. Yes, right. yeah, at this point, he's, right. he's just had enough. He wants everybody to yeah. get off his lawn. And uh, he decides yeah. to make a statement. So he benches the starters, Ronnie Cycli, Grant Long, Willie Burton, Glenn Rice, and Steve Smith. He says, yeah. quote, I told them at halftime that they have three to four minutes in the second half to try to get it together, and they just couldn't get in sync. So he was he was a man of his word because three minutes in, he said, get the hell out of here. You're yeah. gone. And the men who enter in their place, not exactly a murderer's row here, Alan Og. Oh, Og. Which sounds like an eggnog, like, tie-in. Yeah. Like, that doesn't sound like a real person. Alec Kessler, Keith Askins, Bimbo Coles, yeah. and Kevin Edwards enter the game. Right. What happens next is a 75-27 second-half destruction from the Cavaliers. So, even even with the Cavaliers trying to take it easy in the fourth quarter, understanding, oh, well, this thing's way out of hand, well, it's rest, they still dominate with a 42-13 fourth quarter margin. So this is just insane. At this point, though, Lockery doesn't want to put his starters back in the game because he has the idea of, okay, well, now we're getting our, our, our doors blown off. Do I really want Ronnie Cycli or, or Glenn Rice or Steve Smith to, like, get hurt or whatever? So he doesn't put those guys back in. But what happens is Bimbo Coles fouls out, and then Kevin Edwards, who he had taken out of the game and had to put back in, he gets back in, winds up injuring his knee. Nothing serious. I think he was able to come back a few days later, but like it, it got real bad. So the, the the guys were fouling out. They didn't. He didn't want to put his starters back in. It. it he kind of worked himself into a shoot here, where he's just kind of screwed uh, on what to do. But uh, the blowout reached its highest point with just under a minute to play when Danny Ferry hit a three pointer. Uh, for the Cavs to increase their lead to 73 points, 148 to 75. Uh, Kevin Lockery, after the game, says, I didn't know that was the worst until we walked off the floor. I guess no one's done this before. I thought it would have been more than this. It happens. So that's a, a great quote <laughs> from Kevin Lockery. Yeah. Like, really? Nobody else that much? No, this is an all-time? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, this is yeah. the all-time. He's like, oh, all right, well, shit. Yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, Glenn Rice says, uh, by the end, you didn't need to figure anything out. It was e- it was as clear as day. We got whipped. So, uh yeah, eight Cavaliers scored in double figures, led by 18 for Mark Price and John Battle. Brad Doherty and Henry James had 17. Here's what we're talking like, the starters all do well. They all come out, and then these other dudes come in, and they do just as well. So, like, right. Henry Battle, Brad Doherty. Mark Price, John Battle. Hot Rod Williams, he has 16 points. Winston Bennett, Danny Ferry, and Jimmy Oliver all have 11. Uh, Larry Nance just missed out on the fun. He only had nine points. Terrell Brandon. Uh, young Terrell Brandon had eight points. Yeah. Craig Elo had seven. Steve Kerr had five. Every Cav that touched the floor scored uh, the Heat, they had 23 turnovers in this game. They shot 35.5% from the field. Not ideal. Uh, the Cavs, they couldn't miss. They hit 57.3% from the field, including 6 of 11 from 3. Uh, and the Cavaliers, 148, was a franchise record for a regulation game. So uh, there you go. Cavaliers, Heat, 1992. All-time record until uh, just uh, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I know. I, I had never really uh, known the story behind that. Yeah, Kevin Locker, he's in his sixth uh, job as uh, NBA coach, probably, uh He's just ready to be done. You know, he, he has a few more years with the Heat. He's uh, he's grumpy. He's in his 50s. He's, he's ready to be done with this stuff. You know, I mean, you, you figure you bring in Alan Og that you're going to do really well. But, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, Alan Og, uh, a 7-2 uh, center. He was actually born in the uh, same county that I grew up in. He was born in uh, Fairfield County, Ohio. Look at that. So we got John Conkar and Alan Og. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, he, our he heroes. Went to, he went to high school in Alabama but and college at UAB. But, yes, he, uh, he had a short uh, – NBA uh, career, but yeah, Alan Og, that's a, it's a, it's up there in terms of the uh, great last names for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's uh yeah. And, and like we said, Kevin Locker, I mean, this is, he's 
about at the end of his road here. In 1994, right. he would he would he would call it quits. But you know, he right. bo- he coached Michael Jordan for a little bit, so I'm sure every time right. he turns on the TV and he sees like be like Mike commercials, he's like, ah, damn right. it, <laughs> you know, because I think I he did not. not uh, I think he yeah. liked him. I think well, I, I I think Jordan liked Lockery though, if I remember correctly, right? Okay, yeah, I he, think he so. But I think Lockery. he let Lockery. Uh, he let Jordan do whatever he wanted, and the Bulls were like, all right, hold on, <laughs> like, right. you can't just do well, everything that he wants. So yeah. Well, I mean, Lockery was there the first year, right? And then, yes. um, and then, um, you know, new Krauss comes in and kind of cleans house and then they get Stan Albeck and they, he doesn't like Stan Albeck and then they end up with Doug Collins. Right. 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 I think that's, yeah, that's, that's so. how it all played out. So I guess he, right. but I guess he's maybe still a little upset a little bitter that uh, he doesn't Probably. get to coach the Bulls to, uh, uh, I, to, their, to yeah, their glory. I was, so I can see that. Yeah. All right. So let's get to 1998 here. Let's do it. February 27th, 1998, Indiana Pacers, Portland Trailblazers. Let me tell you, my 11th birthday cake wasn't the only thing getting blown out on this day because also the Portland Trailblazers are getting blown out uh, as I was celebrating my birthday, probably playing on 64 or watching wrestling. Sure. Pretty much the same stuff I do today, even though I'm 35. So, uh, hey. anyway, anyway. That's all, right. That's all right. Anyway. Besides that point, okay. I have a wife now. Yeah. So, you know what? Hey, right. I have a house. Yeah. I have a mortgage yeah. and a wife. So, shut up. Yeah. Anyway, she's working today, so I'm definitely going to play some N64 later. So. All right, nice. Uh, nice. Anyway, I'd probably watch some wrestling. Uh, Indiana Pacers, 124. Portland Trailblazers, 59. A nice little birthday present for me, a young... Uh, I wasn't really a Pacers fan, but hey, you know what? They are 39-17 at this time. They would go on to be 58-24 and 24 this year. Uh, the Blazers, they were 33-23. and 23. They would end up 46-36. and 36. This is a great Pacers year, by the way. This is the one where they very nearly uh, beat the Bulls to go to the finals, which would have been just the most... Can you imagine the gut punch? Of that, like, I would the, the last dance probably doesn't exist if it's like, well, and then the Pacers beat us in seven games. So, and, like, <laughs> and that was it. Michael Jordan retired, and that was kind of how it all ended. So, uh, yeah, how do you stop was, Jalen Rose? It's it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, no, that would, uh, yeah, that would be different. I mean, you there would still be the legend, but yeah, it would definitely have a little bit less of yeah, um, not doing the two three peats. Yeah, yeah, not doing the repeat yeah. three peats. Or oh god, right. damn it, we own Pat Riley money now. Shit. Oh, all right. Anyway, I'll pay him. I'll pay him. I got got his PayPal saved and stuff, so it's fine. That's uh, That's important. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's kind of amazing how much narrative would have changed if if the Pacers had beaten the Bulls and and, and went to the finals. But it it didn't happen. So there's no point rewriting history. So no, no point. All right, so yes, this is my birthday. I'm excited. I'm probably sitting down watching some Pacers Blazers on the TNT or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, for the first time in the NBA's 51 year history, one team scored more than twice as many points. As the other. So previously, wow. the closest the team had come to doubling its opponents' win totals uh, was in 1951, just before the in- introduction of the 24-second clock. Uh, Minneapolis Lakers defeated the Milwaukee Hawks 99-51, to 51, so very, very close. And uh, so you might think, man, 59 points, that's got to be real bad. And it is, but it's not historically bad, believe it or not. Uh, 343 times in NBA history, a team has failed to score at least 59 points. Now, a lot of those are come with some caveats. Like, the most ridiculous one of all time, the lowest ever, is 18 points. But that was by the Minneapolis Lakers in November of 1950. It's a different game, <laughs> completely. Right. It, it's yeah. essentially not even the same game. Uh, and the reason why I can tell you it's not the same game is because guess who has the second lowest scoring total of all time? It is the Fort Wayne Pistons. Guess who they faced on this same game? Yes, the score was 19-18 to 18 <laughs> in the finals. So, like, yeah. Yes. And there's a lot of sub-50-point games in the 40s and the 50s or whatever. If you just go to the shot clock era... There are only 20, 26 games with lower point totals than this. So it becomes a little bit more rare in the shot clock era, uh, getting under right. 59 points, uh, with the all-time worst still being a 49-point performance in April of 1999 by the absolutely atrocious Chicago Bulls, who lost 82-49, to 49, 90s basketball, bring it back, is what I say. Yeah. 
Hey, bring it back. Yeah. That's when the NBA was great, when the Bulls scored 49 points and lost 82 to 49. Just get into it. Yeah. Bring back Tim Floyd. That's what I said. uh, You know what? Yes. Yes. Not for the Bulls, for some other team, because I don't really want Tim (laughs) Floyd back. But uh, give me Marcus Pfizer. Bring back Tim Floyd. Absolutely. Let's do it all over again. But uh, yeah, it's hard to see see exactly what happened in this game. This was just kind of an old school blowout, and it just didn't get any better. Pacers jump out to a 33-14 first quarter lead. They go up to the half 59-29. They lead the third quarter 25-14. Then just went wild in the fourth. They put up 40 points to Portland 16. So I don't know if they were just like, screw these guys. Let's see what we can do here. But uh, Indiana basically just couldn't miss. They shot 68.2% from the field. Uh, in the first quarter, Rick Smith's got eight points to start us off. Uh, Chris Mullen got eight points. Mark Jackson scored seven. Uh, Portland only got 14 points, as we said, in that first quarter. They got five from Isaiah Ryder and Walt Williams, uh, four from Rasheed Wallace. Uh, and then the fourth quarter saw Reggie Miller and Chris Mullen only play two minutes. So they like pretty much didn't – it wasn't like they had those guys out there just kind of pouring it on. They emptied their bench. It didn't matter, though. Travis Best got six points. Austin Crozier had eight points in just under seven minutes. Eight points in seven minutes for Austin Crozier. Mark West scores five points in six minutes. Fred Hoiberg uh, pours in five of his own. They just couldn't stop making points. Uh, and Portland also gave up in the fourth quarter, too, which probably led to some of the issues as well. Uh, Isaiah Rutter and, and, and Rasheed Wallace, they only play a minute. The bench just couldn't score, other than Walt Williams, who, who got eight points. Pretty much nobody else could do anything. Uh, in the end, Portland shoots 33% from the field. Three of 17 from three, uh, whereas Indiana, uh, they were 63.6 from the field and uh, nine of 13 from the three. So there's not really a... There's not a, a Kevin Lockery benches all the starters to make a point and then they get destroyed sure. game. It's just like they didn't make any shots and Indiana made all their shots and then it happened. So there's not yeah. really a big like narrative around this game. It just sort of happened. Yeah, pretty much everybody for the for the Blazers except for Rashid and Walt Williams were awful um, here. And, and like yeah, Brian Granto for six, um, Stacey Ogbins one for seven. It just yeah, pretty much all around. Damon Stoudemire's three for ten. Isaiah Rodgers uh, five for a fifteen. So. Yeah, just um, yeah, not an overriding storyline. Just hey, uh, Portland sucked, and uh, Indiana just uh, you know was really good. Yeah, and there's no like globalization you can make with this one either because it's like right. Portland would end up going and being good for you know the next like four or five years or whatever. So right, it's not like oh this team's like falling apart and it's going to be a mess because you could almost buy if this was like that last year of the Blazers when everybody was sure. hating each other and everybody was getting yeah. arrested and everything was just a disaster. You could be like, well, yeah, I mean it, it, it signified the end of the Portland. No, this is like. Eh, we got screwed. We lost a lot. Uh, whatever. We'll be good next yeah. year. They, you know, they, is, they make a deep right. runs over the next three years. So yeah, this, I mean, this is. I I don't know exactly when the Jail Blazers name, you know, kind of you know took when that really became the dominant narrative there. I think this is around. I mean, there's certainly those guys are there. I don't. I don't remember if that was really. I would say probably oh one. I think is when okay. when it, it sort of happened. So I'm I'm reading a book about it right now, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah okay. it's it's kind of like yeah, it's like the oh one era because even. Even when they were making their deep runs against the the Lakers, like the 2000 and, and, and really some of the 2001 runs, it was wasn't it that bad. Like they were kind of more like they were bad boys, but it wasn't until like you had your Quintel Woods and your, your guys like that that were getting in some real real so issues. I think so. It's like oh one oh two. I think is when it really really started sure. to, to take on that narrative. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, we're going to go back to 1972, a 63-point margin. The Lakers beating the Warriors 162-99. to um, This did set a, a new record at the time for the largest margin of uh, victory. Uh, this is um, 
the, the records at the time, the Lakers were 66 and 12. This was their 69 win season. The Warriors were 49 and 30. They would end up winning 51 games, obviously, given the records is late in the season. Um, and this is, of course, the year, you know, we talked about it again recently. We've talked about it many times. The uh, Lakers won 33 straight games. Elgin Baylor retires early in the year. New coach Bill Sharman has the old Lakers, Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, and Gil Goodrich being the top stars playing the running game to an extreme amount of success. Um, This game, of course, being near the end of the season did not, was not a part of that streak, but it was the seventh win in an eighth game streak. The um, Lakers during this little eight game streak also had wins of 39 points and 34 points. So they were very dominant uh, during the stretch as they were for most of the season. Um, So for the Warriors, this is the year before they got Rick Barry back from the ABA they then they did you know they were a good team obviously 51 wins they had Nate Thurmond they had Jeff Mullins they had gotten Cassie Russell from the Knicks who was acquired from Jerry Lucas they had a 10 game improvement from the um last season something interesting they had very unusually good health their top seven players all played 78 games or more um I mean, I, I've never really taken note, I guess, of that to see like how that ranks in NBA history. I'm not even sure there's a way to be able to uh, quantify that. But that yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. And especially in like modern era, it'd be real tough to find that right. out because like there's yeah. no chance that like, you know, most times you're not going to let all of your stars play, you know, 72 plus games. Yeah, uh, in a year. I mean, maybe I guess if Kevin Durant and Kevin Nash are, yeah, yeah, like or Steve 70, Nash are running, yeah. It, but, I mean, seventy-five maybe, but yeah, 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 a lot. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. Yes, all seven players. Yeah, that, that's just, yeah, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that right. that yeah, I wonder. That'd be a very interesting thing to research. But I don't know if I don't know if anybody could uh, uh could could do that. Maybe a little bit of work. We'll we'll put that in the notes and see if we can do that. But that'd be fun. Yeah. Right. So yeah, well, unfortunately, the Warriors probably wish their starters could have missed uh, this one because, uh, yeah, Russell shot uh, five for sixteen, Thurman was four of eighteen, and Clyde Lee was two for eight. Their bench not particularly helpful. Bill Turner one for seven, Nick Jones four for twelve, Ron Williams three for ten, and Otis Allison uh, two for eight. Um, overall, the Warriors uh, shot thirty four percent from the floor, were out rebounded seventy three to fifty four. On Lakers side. Almost everyone got to the act. Uh, Goodrich led all scorers with 30 points. Uh, Jim McMillan had 22. Happy Hairston had 16 points and 20 rebounds. And Leroy Ellis had uh, 16 points and 15 rebounds off the bench. Again, I tried to look here if there was any real story behind this one. Doesn't really seem like there was, um, you know, the I mean, the Warriors, um, you know, they their guys played a normal amount of minutes, you know, in a blowout. They all played, you know, up to the high 20s. Obviously, at some point, they basically conceded the game and went to their bench. Um, but there was no, you know, overriding reason why this happened. Obviously, um, the Lakers were historically great, but the Warriors were really good, too. Just kind of one of those things. There was another, um, if you look in the head-to-head for the season, there was another game early around the season. I believe it was during the streak where the Lakers beat the Warriors by, like, 30. So they didn't kind of have the Warriors number um, over the season, but they had pretty much everybody's number, um, as you know. And interestingly enough, a year later, the Lakers would have a 56-point win over the Warriors. This one would actually happen in Golden State. Uh, This game here was in um, L.A. Um, That was in the playoffs. Um, Rick Barry did play in that one. He went 4 of 18 from the floor with the Warriors shooting uh, 23% um, in that game. So that's uh, – that. Uh, yeah, the Lakers just like, like uh, destroying the Warriors for some reason. I don't know what, what it was. Yeah, something, uh, <laughs> something personal, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it's uh... – that's a, those are fun teams too. That's a lot of really cool names. A lot of real, yeah. That that's a game that like again like you know similar to um you know my Warriors Bulls game where 
you know, if you're attending that game live, you're like, all right, here we go. We got the, the Lakers, right. the Warriors, like two great teams. Right. And you leave being like, what the hell was that? It's like, yeah. come on. Or or you leave being like, oh, my God, the Lakers are like the greatest team ever. And, you know, they're pretty good. So not, yeah. not, not wrong. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Most of these, are, of course, you know, are occur with the home team um we haven't noted it specifically I think oh right we'll yes, yeah. once we get to the point where it's the road team what's happening in the road team but yeah in in all cases we've discussed so far it is the home team who has the advantage here because obviously the dynamic of a home team winning by 60 and a road team winning by 60 uh you know it's very different when you're um in the building sure. but um a couple more that we're gonna just talk about uh briefly before we get to the next one that is in depth uh the Next one, 1992 season, Golden State Warriors 153, Sacramento Kings 91. We'll talk a little bit more about this with some other um, Sacramento Kings news. Uh, this is actually uh, game two of the season, which uh, I think is the earliest that we see of any of these. Uh, the Warriors um, go 2-0. and uh, The Kings go 1-1. One one. The Kings were a 29-win team. The Warriors were a 55-win team. And uh, I would say this would be best known as the Victor Alexander uh, game for the Warriors. Is Victor Alexander uh, 28 points, 16 rebound, four steals, a 10 of 13 from the floor. Um, definitely has a um, excellent game. I, and um, we'll have to look. I'll have to look this up. Is this uh, is this the first game between the two teams after the Mitch Richmond trade? Ooh, let me. Uh, I can this, maybe this, find that out this, real quickly here. Let's yeah, this see. might be. Um, I'm usually on it, Mitch Richmond's basketball reference page, but this time I will. Yeah. I'll have to. Uh, usually, it's my favorite when I open my computer; it comes up right away. But uh, I'll have to uh, search for it real quick. Uh, yeah. That was uh, November first, nineteen ninety one. So, yeah. No, actually, wait a minute. Richmond is not yet on the. Um, hold on. Uh, here we. Uh, Richmond is not yet on the. Okay, Richmond was on the 91 Warriors, and was he on the 92 Warriors? No, they'd already done the trade, but Richmond, for some reason, didn't actually play um, in this game. Uh, maybe he was hurt, or maybe, I don't know if there were any contract issues when, when the trade happened, or what, what have you. Maybe he didn't want to play in Sacramento at first, but... Yes, he was not. Uh, he did not play in this game, which probably has uh, a little bit to do with why uh, the Warriors, uh, <laughs> the Kings, because without uh, Mitch Richmond, the uh, the Kings uh, stink, uh, we, as we are seeing, uh, as we will see in uh, other instances during this period. So, so yes, the uh, so just uh, the, in the interest of time, just going to talk about that one briefly. Another one we're going to talk about briefly. Another sixty-two point one Syracuse Nationals, one hundred and sixty-two New York Knicks, one hundred. This happens in the nineteen sixty-one season. It actually, happens Christmas Day, nineteen sixty. Um, the Nationals are thirteen and fifteen at the time. They would finish with thirty-eight wins. The um, Knicks are nine and twenty-three. Finish with twenty-one wins. This would be the first sixty-plus point blowout in NBA history. Uh, the first above 50 in the regular season. Um, and we'll talk about the other, the one in the playoffs a, a bit later. Set a record that would last until 1972. Nine of the 10 Nationals finished with double figures with Hal Greer and Dave Gamby leading the way with a 24 um, each. A seven foot three Swede Halbrook only had nine points, but he did have 13 uh, rebounds. Only National not to score in double figures uh, the entire time. And, um, Unfortunately, we don't have uh, field goal percentage totals here, so we can't really tell uh, which uh, Nick really uh, stunk the most to uh, uh, to make this not work. But yeah, you know, when you have uh, you know Hall of Fame pitcher Jim Palmer as your uh, you know one of your leading scorers, you probably uh, 
good indication that uh, you know things yeah things things well. aren't going well. That's that's a yeah. joke, obviously. If people don't know, right. <laughs> I don't think right. he was. I think like twelve years I, old at this point. But I, that that might have sure. been the problem. That might have been the problem. I, you know? I'm pretty sure I've made that joke before. So, have you? Uh, okay, just to make sure, because yeah, just <laughs> yes. in case somebody doesn't say oh, these guys are like I heard that that was Jim Palmer, but I then I looked yeah. it up. And Jim Palmer never played the you know no. NBA, but uh, yeah, he, he was right. following in Dave DeBusher's footsteps. That timeline doesn't match up at all. Anyway, hey, it's all right. 61 points here, 2018. Charlotte Hornets, Memphis Grizzlies, 140 to 79. And my, how the fates yeah. of these two franchises have changed uh, in just a few years uh, for, yeah. for both these. So the Grizzlies at this point are 19 and 53. The Hornets are 32 and 41. Uh, Grizzlies would end the season 22 and 60. Uh, the Hornets would end the season 36 and 46. This is in March 22nd of 2018. By the way, so this one has a bit of an asterisk here, as neither Mike Conley nor Marcus Saul are playing for the Grizzlies, which put them at a huge disadvantage right away, and uh, it plays out that way for sure. Charlotte's largest previous win in franchise history came by 52 points, 136-84 at home against Philadelphia on February 27th, 1992. So a lot of blowouts wow. on my birthday, man. Yeah. I, it is something about my birthday. So circle that wow. on the calendar here this year. Yeah. Don't go to a don't go to a game because it might. It, it, there's a chance. There's a 50 percent chance that it's going to be a blowout. Yeah. So don't don't just in case. Like yeah. And it might be it might be for your team, but it might not, you know. It might not, it might be. not yeah, be, yeah, yeah. So. You probably, probably just want to stay home and you know just get your cake and celebrate Richard's birthday. Yeah, you right. Know, yeah, on your as, own time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get, get, yeah, well get your own cake. Yeah. Right. And 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 blow out the can. Yeah, do all that stuff. So what, what is key yeah. though is the Hornets were also missing one of their key players. Yes, this is during the Dwight, Dwight Howard, Howard Charlotte Hornets era. You uh, forgot yeah. about that, didn't you? You you're I, thinking Dwight Howard Charlotte Hornets. Yep, it was a thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a thing. I, but um. I'm going to actually go on the theory that Dwight not being there is what helped the Hornets win this game. Because sure. one yeah. day without fart jokes probably goes a long way where he's like not sure. on the team bus and he's not in the hotel. And you're just like, oh, my oh, God. Like He was uh, he was suspended. For he was, yes. Because he had oh. re- the day before he had received his 16th technical foul. Ah. Uh, so he was out. What To be fair to Dwight Howard, the, the night prior he had a 32-30 rebound game. So... All joking aside, he is still, right. you know, obviously <laughs> quite oh, productive. Can, can play well, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. But he's, yes. God, he just makes too many fart jokes for anybody yeah, to handle. So. Yeah. And yeah. he's Dwight Howard. Like, God. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Kemba yeah. Walker on fire all game. He scored four, uh, 17 in the first, 18 in the second, 11 in the third. Uh, the Hornets roared ahead uh, 12-2 in the first four and a half minutes of the game. We're ahead 37-14 after one quarter, 75-42 at halftime, and then by a game-high 65 points with a minute 45 left in the game uh, before taking the eventual 61-point uh, win. Uh, Kemba Walker says, that's not something you see every day. We played well. We knew these guys were shorthanded with no Mike Conley and no Marcus Gasol, who are two awesome players, but we just handled our business. And uh, Memphis is led in scoring by... Wayne Selden, which is not good. <laughs> when yeah. Wayne Selden is your leading scorer, he has 18. Tyreek Evans, you remember the Tyreek Evans Grizzlies era? I don't, because he had 16 points. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that also not good. And then Jarrell Martin had 12. So those are uh, not good. Uh, Tyreek Evans says they were out there just laughing. It was embarrassing, the whole thing. We've just got to wash this one away and just come back next game and be ready to play. So Memphis shot 38.5% from the field, uh, four of 18 from three. Charlotte, on the other hand, hit uh, 19 three, so they made more than Memphis took, uh, and they shot 53% from the field overall. So, you know, um, yeah, speaking of Wayne Selden, there are, uh, I believe, it looks like uh, from a cursory basketball reference search, there are 10 Waynes who have played in the um, NBA uh, all time. So, 
Uh, Wayne oh, Ellington, of course, being yeah. one of the current ones. Yeah, I was going to say not a lot of cur- not a lot of current ones, but there there is a pretty decent amount of current. There, yeah, ones, uh... I, it's, a, it's a high percentage of the overall Waynes in history. You know, Wayne Embry obviously being the uh, the best Wayne to have ever played in the NBA. You would say so. Um, and there's a there's a Wayne C. So so we'll have to weigh weigh and see at some point whether we <laughs> oh, can uh, get it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> whether you know, we'll get some information about Wayne C. But anyway, yes. <laughs> Anything more on this game, Rich? <laughs> no. All right. All right. I, I'm sorry to derail things. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Anyway, uh, another uh, brief look we're going to get is a 59-point win. The Warriors 153 over the Pacers um, 91. This is a 1977, March 19th to be exact. Uh, at the time, the Pacers uh, have... 31 and 40, the Warriors 40 and 31. Uh, and they would also end up with the exact opposite records in the uh, season. The Warriors 46 and 36, the Pacers 36 and 46. So how, uh, how nice. So yeah, the, uh, this is the Pacers first year in the NBA. They of course come over from the ABA and um, yeah, I mean the biggest difference here, really rebounding the, uh, the Warriors had 71 rebounds, including 30 offensive rebounds. And the Pacers had, 45 total. So that, that's a big difference. Um, and the Warriors managed to dominate this game, despite the fact that um, Phil Smith went one of eight from the uh, floor for the, uh, for the Warriors. So uh, the only Pacer who really uh, did worse was uh, Don Busey who went um, 0 for seven. So, yeah. Um, I mean, this is just a, uh, I, I would say, yeah, it, you look on paper and you're like, Oh, the, the numbers for the Pacers don't like seem that terrible. How do they lose by that many? But this is, I think, another one where just the Warriors probably not a whole lot of defensive resistance from the Pacers to the Warriors in this one. And that's you know doesn't really seem that way. Yeah, when yeah. when you when you put yeah. up 153, yeah, you're kind of let go. Yeah, it's well, it's a weird yeah. it's a weird game because yeah, the Pacers are decent at this time, and and that's always the ones that are a little surprising. And yeah, when they're decent and they're not missing a ton of players, it's kind of like that Portland Trailblazers game where it's just like ah, sometimes right. it just happens. Yeah. It get away, it gets away from yeah. you, and then it just kind of snowballs from there, and then yeah, you end up with this game. Yeah. Next, we have another 59.1, the Milwaukee Bucks, 143, Detroit Pistons, 84. This is from December 26th, 1978, so the day after Christmas. Uh, records at the time, the Pistons are 11-22. and 22. They would end up as a 30-win team. The Bucks are 15-22, and 22, and they would end up as a 38-win team. So, Bucks at this point, in the 1979 season, they're still kind of trying to you know build a new powerhouse in the post-cream Era. Actually, the, the prior season, they made a bit of a surprise uh, playoff run. They had pretty much the same roster plus Alex English, who they lost in for agency. So, but they had Marcus Johnson. They had you know Kent Benson, who had been the number one overall pick. Um, both of them in the second seasons. They also had you know Brian Winters, Quinn Buckter, excuse me, Ernie Grunfeld, and Junior Bridgman. So you know, um, good roster of names, and you know, like you know, a mix of like solid stars and good complimentary players. So they weren't there yet, but they were going to get there soon. They would you know be really a great team for the, you know, starting the next season and throughout most of the eighties. Uh, the standout here in this game is Kevin Rastani. Um, who I, I have to admit, I'm not too super familiar with. Uh, he actually was newly returned to the bucks after he'd had a brief stint in uh, Kansas city the year before uh, he, in this game, 22 points, 12 rebounds, six assists, two blocks um, off the bench. We Grunfeld, 27 points, nine rebounds, six assists and three steals. Uh, Bridgman, 24 points and six rebounds. Norm Van Leer, the only Buck who I had completely forgotten or, or never knew that he had a stint with the Bucks at the uh, end of his career. This was his last season. Only Buck who did not uh, score uh, during the game. So 
Uh, the Bucks uh, they had 53 assists in this game, including Lloyd Walton, also uh, not heard of. I'm assuming not related to Bill. Uh, nine um, assists in 17 points, uh, 17 minutes off the bench. Excuse me. Um, and there's a New York Times article from the time that indicates that the Bucks uh, 19 assists broke the previous NBA record in, in the second quarter. In any quarter, uh, they uh, they broke the previous NBA record there by three. The previous record been 16. And their 30 assists in the first half set another um, NBA record. So I did not check to see what the uh, assist records um, in this game, because that's even what they are today, because I think that's even, you know, obscure by our standards. But um, if anyone wants to know, we will look it up and try to find out for you. So um, Pistons, on the other hand, uh, only got 13 minutes from uh, Bob Lanier. He had two points, one rebound and one block was one for four from the floor. Not really sure if it was injury related, which would be common for him, although he did not miss really any games hmm. during this period. So um, didn't fall out, doesn't seem to have been ejected. So not clear what happened there. Maybe just had a nagging injury that pulled him out for the game, but didn't last. Um, and it, yeah, it looks like, you know, an offense, at least the Pistons were more just bad rather than awful. I mean, they shot, you know, 41% from the floor, which, you know, isn't exactly terrible. They didn't really have anybody who like, you know, dragged them down, you know, to like horrible depths or um, anything. I mean, Leon Douglas was one for six from the floor. That was really the only um, you know, player who shot off, although you know, he had 10 rebounds and five assists. Um, ben Paquette off the bench had one of eight shooting. The, those are the guys really the only stinkers for them. But, um, yeah, it just seems like probably the not a lot of defensive resistance, I'm guessing, for the Bucks who you know shot 60% from the uh, floor. You know, 40, 54 rebounds, 53 assists, um, 17 steals. You know, just uh, I, I, I think they just were, uh, you know, just – just were hot. Um, interestingly enough, the Bucks had a 56 point win against the Jazz on the same season. That would happen on March 14th, 79. So um, the Bucks only won 38 games this season, as we mentioned. They had an expected win loss of 47 wins, according to their net rating. So these two wins gave the Bucks 1.4 points out of their 2.1 net rating for the season. So basically two thirds <laughs> of their net rating came from, you know, these two games. So, yeah, definitely. This is an interesting one that shows that, you know, the expected win loss, not always a, a great stat here because yeah, this is a team right. that probably was not worthy of 47 wins, but had two gigantic wins that made their net rating look uh, pretty incredible. So yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Right. This is, again, this is not normal. Like it's right. still largely a pretty good stat, but it is, it is a case where it does show you that sometimes it can, can be a little misleading, especially with this box. Yeah, it's fascinating. They just have two insane games, but then still only win 30. It's like, yeah, let's do what you did those games. <laughs> do that again. Right. <laughs> a lot yeah. of times. Now, they just couldn't. Now, yeah. you know, now you could say that, you know, in, in some cases, net, the net rating actually, you know, was a good indicator because of how good they were the next year with, you know, pretty much the same roster. Sure. Too. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like, you know, and, and they would actually get Bob Lanier the next year, although, you know, not until I think late in the season. So, but they had, you know, largely the same roster um, outside of that. They did get Cindy Moncrief. So that's a pretty big improvement. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so, may, so maybe, yeah, the fact that, yeah, it, on one hand, it's, maybe those two blowouts were like an indication of how they could be. And then that, you know, again, kind of reflected in the next season, but for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Discussion. But so another one, um, 1956 playoffs. Um, this is Minneapolis Lakers, 133, St. Louis Hawks, uh, 75. Um, this is this, this did set the record for either playoff or um, regular season. It was the first 50 plus point blowout in NBA history. Um, yeah, it happened to be in the playoffs. 
Uh, the records, both teams were 33 and 39. Uh, the Lakers actually beat the Hawks in a one-game tiebreaker uh, before this series to determine who would get home court advantage. Um, the um, Hawks had home court for game one, and the Lakers got it for games two and three. Um, so the Lakers were down 1-0, facing elimination after the after a one-point loss in St. Louis. Um and yes, t- 10 Lakers here scored in double figures, uh, led by Slater Martin with 19. It was a tr- truly a balanced effort of, you know, all these guys having between um, 19 and 10 points. Uh, George Mikan, having returned from retirement, had 43 points. The, the Lakers only shot 44% from the floor, which, um, it, you know, is not exceptional of course the you know the field goal standards were um, yeah 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 i mean it's not bad but it's still not great you know even for the time but the uh the hawks uh yeah they shot um they shot 24 percent from the floor now that's not um, good in any area yeah, that's uh that's no, not great yeah bob pettit 14 points on four of 15 shooting he had he was 27 percent from the floor so he actually beat his team's uh total of 20 uh 22 out of 91 24 percent uh, the only other Hawk in double figures, Jack Stevens at uh, three of six on the floor. He was the only Hawk to break 50%. Al Ferrari here, more like a Pinto going one for oh. six. Uh, Bob Schaefer, he's one of three Bobs on this team, went one for 10. And Med Park and Chuck Share went two for 10. So, but the Hawks, they would regroup from this. Uh, they would win game three in Minnesota and the series. Uh, I feel like I said Minnesota when I... Uh, yeah, you I, did. Nice. A little, yeah. <laughs> really that channeling was, your, uh, your your Minnesota yeah, there. I like it. Not even intended. Wow. Um, 116 to 115, the same score as in game one. Uh, they would end up one game shy of the NBA Finals, falling to the Fort Wayne Pistons in a... a a five-game series, which was you know, the, a 3-2 losing in that series. So, of course, the Hawks would go on to kind of be a juggernaut over the next few seasons. They would uh, go to the finals uh, in four out of five seasons and win the title in 58. So this was kind of a precursor to that. I think we should also do a, a series of shows on bobs and teams with bobs and how well yeah. – how many uh, a team with three bobs or more yeah. uh, <laughs> handles their, I, their business. So I've I've got the title. What about Bob? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I put that one in the uh, the to do list uh, there. Right. But uh, I like that. You know how, how how do Bobs? I guess we could apply Roberts to that as well. I think it. Okay. I, I think in the spirit, it should just be Bobs. Sure. But, you know. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I do feel there. like really it's got to be Bob's. It, it does. Yeah, Robert is a different. There's a different vibe if you're a Robert than if you're a Bob. There's just a, there's a different aura about you. Uh, as as a Bob, so yeah, I think. I, yeah, I agree that I I think it really just has to, we have to isolate the Bobs. We can't really <laughs> Roberts. I think it's a whole a whole thing, and no Robbies, you know, no. Can we do? Can we have Bobbies? I don't even know. Like I feel like Ooh, a, I think a Bobby isn't a Bob. It's not a Bob. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's just yeah, not. Yeah. I think a Bobby and a Bob are a completely different vibe. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a like Bobby Bonilla is cool as hell, right. but like you know, right? Bob Schaefer, eh, you know, he's right. not Bobby Bonilla. I'll tell you that. So right. It's. I mean, obviously, it's like Richard. You know, there's so many. There's so many ways you can go with Richard too. Right, know? right, right, um, right. Like Bobby Jackson, yeah. cool. Bob Schaefer, yeah. yeah, still not cool. Yeah, not cool. No, it's it's weird. Yeah, but Bobby Brady not cool. I mean, you have to have the right Bobby too. Oh, you know, man, you're right. Um, yeah, it's it's tough out there. You you can't do much with Jason. You can do Jay. That's pretty much it. So um, you know, not, J- Jason not a flexible name. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I unfortunately have the one of the most flexible names, but most of the flexibility of it is ridiculous. It makes no right. sense. So. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why Richard is Dick? I don't know, but hey, it is. I don't so know. Hey, hey. That. Yeah. So yes. 
So um, uh, another game we're going to touch on very briefly, the uh, 1986 season, Milwaukee Bucks 140, Sacramento Kings 82. This happened December 15th, 1985. Yeah, a lot of these happening uh, December. <laughs> that is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, the Kings here, I believe it's their first season in Sacramento. They're 8-17. and 17. They would win 37 over the season. The Bucks 18-10, and 10, 57 wins uh, for the season. Yeah, I remember when I said that the beginning of right before the, the Bucks were going to be great. Well, this is right toward the end of when the uh, Bucks that were great. Yeah. Um, you know, this was uh, yeah, this was just pretty much a clunker from um, everybody. Um, you know, Reggie Theus uh, shooting seven of uh, 15 from three, which I, I guess isn't really that bad for 18 points. Uh, Terry Tyler off the uh, the, the bench uh, shooting five of 14 for the, uh, the Kings. And yeah, just... Uh, you know, pretty much everybody um, is, uh, you know, is, is smoking for the uh, the Bucks. Uh, Terry Cummins with uh, 21 points, uh, Craig Hodges with 15, um, and then yeah, they uh, the Bucks had five guys uh, with double figures um, off of the uh, the bench, including uh, Rick Pierce and uh, Jerry Reynolds and Charles Davis. So, just yeah, kind of a not much of a story there, but. Uh, Wanted to mention that one, but I think you got a really interesting one coming up. Yeah, let's do this one. So this is another playoff game here. It's the 2009 uh, playoffs, uh, April 27th, 2009. Denver Nuggets, 121. New Orleans Hornets, 63. So this tight record. Wait a minute, wait yeah. a minute. New Orleans Hornets? Wait yeah, a they, at some point, were the New Orleans Hornets, yes. Oh. And that's not the same as the Charlotte Hornets anymore. Okay. It's the same but, as New Orleans Pelicans, I think, and yes, it makes all but, the sense in the world. But as we, but as we know, the, the Charlotte has always been the Hornets in uh, in Charlotte. So I don't know what yeah. the team. It's weird that the NBA had two, um, you know, had two Hornets. But anyway, it, well, let's let's not. Uh, let's not go yeah, yeah. it's 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 very not confusing at all. So, all right, uh, so yeah, I don't know why you're you're having trouble with this. It's very not confusing. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this tight end record uh, for biggest playoff blowout. Uh, and set a record for the biggest blowouts with home team losing. This is what we talked about a little bit earlier, where we sort of alluded to there's going to be a blowout where the home team is going to get destroyed, and this is the one here. Uh, previously, the uh, 1973 Lakers, a uh, 56-point win over the Warriors, was the one uh, before that. And, uh, yeah, this is oddly a, a very strange series because three of the top four playoff blowouts had the road team winning uh, in this one. 11 of the 48, 50-plus blowouts had the road team winning, and they have this one here where the, 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 uh, the home team... Uh, loses by so much here. Uh, this is game four of the 2009 Western Conference first round. The, Neg- the Nuggets are up 3-1. Uh, to one. Uh, They would win the series eventually in five games. And pretty much a dominating performance from beginning to end uh, with them. Uh, David West scored the game's opening points. Kenny Martin dunked on the other end. And then from that point forward, they went on a 27-6 run. So it did not go very well for uh, the Hornets. Uh, the Denver shot 70% in the first quarter, which is pretty good. That's what you want. 70% from the field is good. Uh, they take a 36-15 lead on DeHante Jones's three-pointer. Uh, and then the Hornets went, uh, seven minutes and 48 seconds without a field goal in the second quarter. Uh, Carmelo scored 26 points total, but did not play at all in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul had one of the most horrific games of his entire career. Four points and six assists. It would be the first time Paul, uh, again, who did not play in the fourth quarter, scored fewer than 14 points in a playoff game as well. So four points and six assists, not great uh, from Chris Paul. Uh, And I looked it up only six times in his career playoffs and regular season did Chris Paul have a line uh, this bad. Obviously, this one hurts a little bit more because it happens in the playoffs and a, kind of a key pivotal time uh, in a playoff series as well. Uh, the Hornets recorded playoff lows in field goals made with 17, field goals attempted with 54, assists with 10, and second half points with 24. They had 10 assists in the entire game. <laughs> like That is mind-boggling when Chris Paul's on your team. And right. he had six yes. of them. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Man, not good. Uh, the fourth quarter saw absolutely no starters play. That, imagine getting a ticket to this game. Play, you're like, playoff basketball in New Orleans, yeah. let's go. Right. Like, yeah. No starter plays in the fourth year team loses by this much. It would, it would be awful. But uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony would say after the game, I wouldn't have thought we would win by 58 points. I never thought anybody could win by 58 points in the playoffs. So that's a, like, and he's kind of right. So uh, the Hornets' previous worst playoff loss was 32 points, uh, 96-64, uh, when they lost to Atlanta in 1998, when the team was still in Charlotte. And uh, Denver's previous largest playoff uh, margin was 30 uh, when they won – 141 to 111 over San Antonio in 1985. So definitely a weird one. Definitely a strange one here for uh, New Orleans and Denver, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if this was the first time they had made the playoffs in New Orleans, but actually, no, they, they made it uh, right after the um, move. I forgot about during the, uh, during the Baron Davis uh, era. So that was, uh, so yeah, but this is obviously the first one with Chris Paul and there were some pretty high expectations there. So that was a uh, tough one. Yeah, this was kind of a, you know, this was sort of a underrated, um, you know, great Nuggets team. Uh, you know, they ended up losing in the uh, Western Conference final to the Lakers that year, but that was a, that was a tough team. Probably the best team that uh, Carmelo ever played on in retrospect. Oh so. yeah, that, that was, that was the team where it really felt like, okay, we, they've righted this ship. They got to figure it out. They're going some places, yeah. they're doing some things. And then obviously, you know, Carmelo being Carmelo, George Carl yeah. being George Carl, George Carl yeah. a lot of uh, things uh, happened. Uh, and like, uh, yeah. huh. you know, some things happened. And, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. The, the, uh, it was an untenable uh, relationship between the two. And then it became very, uh, exactly as everybody thought, very untenable. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. At this time it really felt like, okay, if this was going to be the team was going to do it, they had stability. You know, you had uh, Kenny Martin playing at, at, at his pretty good powers. Billups playing his pretty good powers. It felt like okay, this might be the one, and, and yeah, it ended up not uh, not quite happening that way. And this, uh, yeah, this would kind of be the I don't want to say the beginning of the end for Chris Paul and, and the Hornets because obviously he would he would stick around for a couple more years and they would make the playoffs a couple years later. But like, yeah, yeah you know, they went to that the, the conference semifinals the year prior, as you mentioned. Uh, with kind of a surprising uh, win, and then like yeah, the next year you know Byron Scott is out, and okay, yeah, and then a couple years later Paul is going to be out as well. So yeah, it's not the last breath of air because this Hornets never really had that much air, but it was uh, it was certainly the beginning of the end for for the Chris Paul New Orleans Hornets era, and really the New Orleans Hornets era in in general. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So we got one more. Uh, we are going to. Uh... Also, fifty-eight point margin. Uh, Sacramento Kings one thirty-nine. Dallas Mavericks eighty-one. This uh, December 29th, nineteen ninety-two. Yeah, wow. How many of these are in December? You have to. You have to. Do you mind counting that? While yeah, I, let, uh, let me let me do that while we're, <laughs> while we're yeah. this out because it uh, seems so, like a lot. Yeah, yeah we, we've got thirteen here in our list. This is the top thirteen blowouts in NBA history, and yeah, a lot. It seems like half of them were in December. Anyway, uh, records at the time: the Kings ten and sixteen. They would win twenty-five. Mavs two and twenty one. They would finish eleven and seventy one. We've talked about these Mavs quite a bit. One of the worst teams in NBA history. In this game, you know they're starting the likes of uh, Mike Uzilino, Walter Bond, Doug Smith, Terry Davis, who finishes four points on two of nine shooting, and Donald Hodge. The only Maverick who shines here, power forward Randy White, whose nickname. Mailman too. Okay. He was a power forward out of Louisiana, <laughs> and he was called Mailman too. Apparently, okay, that's um, a terrible nickname. Let's be well, honest. Well, right, I mean, you know, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's not great, but I, you know, I, I, 
I appreciate the audacity. You know, I, uh, <laughs> mailman too. I wouldn't no, want I to be do. called mailman too. Like, give me yeah. my own name. Like, you know what I mean? Like, give me uh, something else. I can't be the second. You know, right? You know, he was also also apparently known as Mail Kid, uh, Carl. Now McClough. Mail Kid. Now we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> Paper Boy would be good too. You know. Yeah. Carl McClone, like he's a clone of Carl Malone. Uh, Carl Jr. and also Bird, because why not? You know? <laughs> Carl Jr. Uh, let's try that. Yeah, for for a guy, uh, you know, five seasons, five nicknames. That's uh, yeah. That's number, I think we uh, maybe have overdone it with the Randy White. Who was coming up with these? Like who who was? I, I mean, who was in charge I mean, of all these Randy White nicknames? Because I, uh, yeah, we'll have to talk to Basketball Reference about uh, about where their their sources on nicknames. Because like, I, was I it him sometimes... or was it a coach? Was it an announcer? <laughs> like who came up? with I don't these? Because yeah. They put a lot on this poor guy, and uh, guess what? Well, he did not live up to the Carl McClone <laughs> nickname, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, well, Listen, there was not a lot of joy for the Mavericks during this I period. guess, so let they, him have this. Let him have five nicknames, who cares? You're yeah. right, you're right. So in this game uh, against the Mavericks, um, Mitch Richmond, 22 points, 6 assists, 3 steals on 9 of 11 shooting. Um, Anthony Bonner off the bench, 23 points, 11 rebounds, 10 to 12 shooting, although he had 5 turnovers. Rod Higgins, 16 points in 14 minutes. He's six of eight from the floor, three of three po- from uh, three-pointer. He's shooting a lot of threes for this era, man. I don't know. Maybe we uh, got to talk to him about not shooting so many threes. You know, that's uh, it's not, not good basketball. But anyway, um, somehow for the Kings in this game, Walt Williams managed to shoot three of 15. Spud Webb went one of five, and we definitely didn't need any more of Jim Less after he went two for 11. All these guys shot as bad or worse than anyone on the Mavs did. So I don't – I've – kind of baffled by how this margin occurred despite the um kings you know having like three of the guys who played significant minutes in this game um shooting so terribly but i, I guess it just didn't matter at that point you know um you know like the rebounding margin yeah the like, 93 mavericks are so horrific yeah, that you can right. be awful and still destroy sure. them i mean it, it is a uh, rare yeah. i mean they yeah they out rebounded them by 20 so that certainly helps that helps uh yeah the turn of a you know the um Mavs had 10 more turnovers, so that helps as well. So I guess it's how they got there. But yeah, this was um this was pretty weird. So Yeah, because a lot of the other ones we talked about is just like everybody on the team just like shoots great. Like for some reason, everybody's just cr- is crazy. Everybody shoots the team shoots 60% or 70% or whatever. But this is like, yeah, this team has a lot of guys that stink and they still blow them out. I mean, this is this is definitely one of the more unique ones we've had. Sure. And then this is just one of the weirdest stretchers in NBA history. So the Kings in the subsequent game, they would beat the 76ers by 56 points. So back-to-back games, they have, you know, 50-plus point blowouts. Uh, in that game, Walt Williams, he had 40 points for the only time in his career. He's off the bench, six rebounds, three assists, four steals, four blocks. So, you know, Walt Williams is a killer here. And Well, they won um, the – I mean, they won the finals this year. In 1993, right? That's when the King – oh, wait, no. They, never mind. Yeah, I thought, right. <laughs> I'm mixing up my Kings championship seasons. They didn't win the championship in 1993. It seems, <laughs> yeah, that that exactly. seems impossible. They just it, right. they just blew two teams out. Like, they're the best yeah. team in the league. What are you talking right. about? Yeah. The Bulls. And, the Bulls won the finals in 1993. Wow, okay. Yeah, weird. Yeah, the Chicago Bulls? Chicago, yeah, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, oh. those guys. Yeah, wow. Weird, okay. okay. All right, I thought yeah. – right. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Huh. How did they beat the Kings, though? <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's confusing, yeah. So – yeah, anyway, there was a great um, – SB Nation Dorktown had a great you know profile on this. So if you look – before this game against the Mavericks, there um, there was about one of 2,400 games in which one team had beaten another by at least 55 points. So obviously extremely rare. Um, you know, the so the Kings do it twice in a row. Um, the Kings outscore, you know, one team, you know, 293 points – 
allowing just 179. That's a 114 point differential. Uh, the only other game in that stretch that even comes close was the 89 Suns had a, um, you know, but that was even close to what they had done. They also during they had uh, basically a four game stretch where the game before this one they beat sixteen they beat Boston by sixteen and then afterward they beat uh, Denver by twenty so they were plus one hundred and fifty during that four game stretch but the rest of the time uh, you know in the other seventy eight games they lost seventy three percent of them were outscored by over four hundred points so it's they insane. finished <laughs> this is right. ridiculous what the hell? yeah. They finished this season with a negative 3.1 net rating, but if you if you took out the two blowouts, they would have had a negative 5.35 net rating. <laughs> like like just yeah, that's like just just crazy. And yeah, um, the like the Mavs during this, um, I mean they, they were historically bad, so they probably had a much worse net rating than um, than this game did. But that was just, um, but that's just yeah. I mean th- that would be like the net rating for. Not like among the worst teams ever in NBA history, yeah. Because the the Mavs net rating was negative fifteen point two, so they were way beyond <laughs> yes. what the uh, yeah. what the Kings would have been. They, they wouldn't quite been better. But but yeah, it's um it's interesting, you know, given um you know given the situation. And so anyway, yes. Um, so as mentioned above, yeah, the nineteen ninety two um, Kings, you know, just one season before, um, they lost a game by sixty two points. So the Kings who played in both of those games, um. Anthony Bonner, Lionel Simmons, Dwayne Coswell, Spud Webb, Jim Les, and Randy Brown. Um, Dwayne Coswell did not play in the game against the uh, the Sixers, so but the rest of those guys did. So it, they were in all three of those games. One one was a loss by sixty two. The other two were wins by fifty five plus. Rod Higgins actually played for the Warriors in that big win over the Kings in ninety one. So he was on the right side of all three blowouts. So what he we're was, hearing is get Rod Higgins yeah. on your team is what it was. Yeah, I, I think you have a, a pretty good chance of blowing a team out by uh, over fifty points if Rod Higgins is on your team. Check, so. check Rod Higgins is plus minus because I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's uh, this pretty exceptional. So <laughs> I'm going to not do that because uh, all right, <laughs> I don't think yeah you're probably right. It's uh, Uh, seems to be the exception to the rule, but I'm going to go into the theory that he is the rule and that you need to have uh, Rod Higgins on your team if you're going to be great. You absolutely need to have Rod Higgins on your team because of all the great teams that uh, Rod Higgins uh, played for, like the... uh, (laughs) 1991 Warriors were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Kevin Lockery led Chicago Bulls in 1995. They were great when they were 38 and 44 or whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Apparently not great. So you had asked the question a little bit earlier about the games in September. Six of the 13 happened in December. So okay. That's a pretty high total. Yeah. It's not high as I thought, but it's pretty damn high (laughs) considering the amount of months that the season goes in. Sure. Uh, Six of these blowouts happen in December. So yeah, these are all, these are like we said, the all time biggest blowouts. And obviously if we take the playoff games out of this, it, it increases a lot more. Right. That's um, true. Cause yeah. yeah, those obviously will not occur in December. That would be weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. So this has been fun. Big blowouts. Yeah. yeah big blowouts. Yeah. Good times. Some guys yeah. remembered some bobs. So that's all. Remember, yeah. A few bobs. Yeah. Definitely going to have to dive into the bobs a little bit more, you know, Bob and weave perhaps through, through those. So, <laughs> All right, so everyone, uh, you know, thank you for checking us out. We are part of the uh, fan-sided network of podcasts. You can find us at The Step Back, where there's great NBA content throughout the entire season. 
Um, you can also find all of our shows at overandbacknba.com. And we are on iTunes and well, it's not quite iTunes anymore, but we're on all the podcast platforms. Just search for uh, search for Over and Back. We're there. Leave us a rating and review if you like us. Just ignore us if you don't like us. Um, and also you social media. We have uh, Facebook and Twitter at Over and Back NBA. So if you want to see us uh, socialing some media, we will uh, we will be there and leave us uh, just give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. So thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again soon.